The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, welcome to Forest Focus, a bonus podcast for you on the back of a brilliant win at Newcastle, looking ahead to Manchester United uh, on Saturday and the final game for Nottingham Forest in 2023. And then it's a January transfer window, so we'll have a bit of a chat about all that in the company of Reds fan and broadcaster Darren Fletcher. Fletch, happy Christmas, if we can still say that. How are you? Yeah, I think we can just about, can't we? And I'd like to take this opportunity at this stage to wish all the Forest supporters a Merry Christmas, and particularly the ones that made that journey to Newcastle on Boxing Day. I mean, to watch a game from up there anyway, they probably would have been nearer had they stayed at the city ground, nearer to the pitch. Um, But to see so many there and to hear the crowd coming through the television as they were and out singing the Geordies was absolutely fantastic. So well done, one and all. Um, Hope everybody enjoyed it. And I hope we can all look forward to a really prosperous and healthy uh, 2024. Yeah, I know Greg certainly enjoyed it. Greg and Mrs. Mitchell Laura had a good time, as did every fan. Well worth it for all their dedication. Um, obviously, we can't go away from Newcastle. Such a great result. I said on our post-match stream, I can't believe it. Not necessarily in terms of that we, we won, because you can always sneak a result. But to play as we did, Chris Wood's hat-trick created so many chances. It was chalk and cheese from what we've seen for, for much of this season. Um, what was your take on it in general? It was interesting because my son said to me about 15 minutes in, Dad, this is like watching a Premier League match. And what he means is, I think he's got a little bit fed up of watching Forrest just automatically go away from home and go into a shell and, and hope not to lose and see if you can nick a goal on the counter. It's one of the rare times that I've seen the club since they've been promoted back to the Premier League be prepared to commit players forward, to play with a shape that gave them an opportunity to keep the ball and to also generate chances. And I thought it was it was wonderfully refreshing. Um, I think it's very difficult to win a match in the Premier League unless you really try to. And I thought there was a real endeavour on um, on Boxing Day to do that. Um, I thought that, I, I must say, I, I thought some of the things that were being said around the game on the television I didn't agree with the narrative. I didn't think that Newcastle controlled the first half. In actual fact, I thought that Forrest probably generated the better opportunities. And I thought that cutting edge was already there. And if they made better decisions in the first half, they may well have been away. So I was I was really impressed by them. I, I think they've come together quite quickly. I think the fact that they've managed to score five goals in two matches under the new manager is significant. I think he's laid down an early marker that he wants to to have a team that's going to generate chances and try and win football matches, which is great. And I just thought that the way they went about it at Newcastle was 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 so impressive. Um, and I was I was delighted for everybody. You think we saw that kind of clarity of thought? Because this isn't a dig at Steve Cooper, but I think so many players, so many changes, so many things go on in your head amongst the coaching staff. It can sometimes get a bit muddy and every manager has a life cycle. And... Just like a fresh, a fresh set of eyes, fresh ideas, almost back to basics in terms of playing more Gibbs White centrally, playing Anthony Alanga wide, not not through the middle. I mean, you know, it it works so well. 
And like I say, it's not a dig at Steve Cooper, but sometimes just that change, you can see benefits quite quickly. And we certainly did at Newcastle. Matt, what I'd say is that none of this is a referendum on Steve Cooper, and nor is it a referendum on what we're going to get under Nuno Espirito Santo. Steve's record is there for everybody to look at. Steve's style of play is there for everybody to look at. The success that Forrest had under Steve will never be forgotten. This is not a case of making a comparison between Steve Cooper and Nuno Espirito Santo because they're entirely different people. I will forever as a Forest fan hold a really special place in my heart for the work that Steve did, the job that he did and where he put the club before he left. All we can do now is focus on what the future might look like because now it's a new manager and a new regime. And I don't think that people should be making comparisons because we're all going to be disappointed if we do that because Nuno Espirito Santo is not in a position to lead Forrest back to the Premier League for the first time in decades, is he? So it's never going to quite feel the same. So I don't think we should get bogged down with that. But what I do think we should we should we should take a look at is the point that you've just made that yeah sometimes managers can try everything and think they've tried everything and almost drive themselves mad in doing it. And the one thing Steve was prepared to do as the manager was try everything. I mean, how many times did we change the team? How many times did we change the formation? How many times did he make multiple changes from one game to the next? Five, six, seven, a lot of them. I think sometimes a new manager comes in and sits down with, 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 his, with his, his analysts and his staff and looks at it and says, why don't we play like this? And I thought the fact that Forrest went to Newcastle with two holders in front of a back four, I thought Nia Catty was excellent alongside Murillo. I thought Montiel played his best game at right back. I was in full agreement with the fans who were praising him. But then to sit two, one of which has got the legs to get forward in Danilo, if that's what you want to do. Having said that, I thought Danilo struggled on the day. Um, but then to have that pace and that ability to get bodies forward up front, I thought was significant. And I think the, the place, the position that Morgan Gibbs-White played was, was really significant too. I don't think he can play off the side. I think Morgan's got to be involved in the match. He's got a, an unbelievable enthusiasm for the game, an unbridled passion to do things well. And I think when you look at the way that he plays in the Forest team and then you make the comparisons to people like James Madison at Tottenham, etc., there's no reason why he can't do that, but he's got to go from a position in the team where he can do it. I, I can't remember it was. Somebody said to me a little while back that they compared his numbers with, with, with other people and were, were quite derogatory about him. Um, but I think when you look at the, the statistics that came out at the weekend, him in a central position, seeing most of the ball, being the heartbeat of the team, that suits him. Um, and, I, and I think that it was really refreshing to see the way that they that they they lined up and the positions that people started in. And then ultimately, in terms of, of, of Morgan Gibbs-White, the freedom that it gives him to go and be the match winner in that Forest team. I, I think it looked like a really good shape for the group of players that we've got, the shape that everybody seemed to embrace and enjoy. And of course, the number of chances that they created then over 90 minutes away at Newcastle. And by the way, that's not an easy place to go. Was was testament to, to the fact that that decision was right. Every episode of Forest Focus is sponsored by the Trent Navigation Inn. If you can't get down to the city ground to watch Forest v Man United on Saturday, do go down the nav to watch it on the big screen or the indoors. Don't forget, food is on sale and of course, entry is free. Kickoff is at five thirty pm. So if you're not at the city ground, do go down the navigation to watch the game. Hopefully, we'll all cheer on another win. And thanks again for their support. Um, let me play devil's advocate. I haven't done this with anyone yet because um, we've been so giddy on the win. How much of a factor in a result like this is Newcastle just looking so way off? We know what they can be. Do I don't you, you don't want to say we'll be a bit fortunate, but you sometimes you get a bit of timing. Was that a factor at all in the result being so one sided? Look, possibly, but you would go back and say, were Aston Villa as good as they can be the day they came to the city ground and Forest beat them? I mean, sometimes you do catch a team on an off day. And as fans, we shouldn't hold that against our team. You've still got to go there and, and do what you want. And I would kind of challenge that even if Newcastle were off, had Forrest gone to Newcastle and put 10 behind the ball plus the goalkeeper, as we've done time and time again, would they have taken advantage of that? And the answer is probably no. So you still have to go there with the right shape, the right attacking intent, the right belief amongst the group. And you've still then, when you've got possession of the ball, 
you still have to generate those opportunities and take them. And they were fantastic at doing that. Yeah, Newcastle might not have hit the heights. They might be better the night I saw them beat Manchester United and play them off the park. But those are the breaks in the Premier League. And there'll be a lot of teams in the Premier League this season, all of them, in fact, who will at some stage have benefited from a team not being slightly right. Having said that, I looked at that Newcastle starting 11. And when I first saw it, I thought, blimey, this is going to be difficult today. That's a good group of players. Good team. You know, they, they finished the team with two forwards on in Isak and Wilson. They've got players who have been playing well. Let, 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 let's not look at that and go, ah, oh, well, that was down to Newcastle. No, it wasn't. It was down to Forest. Yeah, Newcastle might be just going through a little bit of a run of their own. But to go away and win at any stage in the Premier League is difficult to do. And Forest should, should be praised for that. One other thing a new manager does that maybe Steve Cooper couldn't do is he, you have that clean slate. If he picked Montiel and Aner and dropped both fullbacks, then fans would have gone, hang on a minute, that's really, you can't have that. But a new manager has that freedom. And we saw that with Montiel playing so well and um, Joe Worrell back in the fold. I said it before, I think that's good man management because we're probably going to need Joe around AFCON. That clean slate feels really important and it opens the doors for, for players to stake their claim again now, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it does. And I think that's the kind of man that he is. I've spoken to a few people and know him from his time at Wolves. Um, very approachable, nice guy, got a steely edge to him when he needs it. But in general, um, the kind of man that you'd want in charge of your football team, if, if, if that's not too much of a cliche. Um, I took a little bit of time just looking at, at the numbers, etc., because it's easy to kind of make this comparison between different managers and, and, and listen to, to various narratives. It's the first time that Forest have scored three goals away from home in the Premier League since March 1999 at Wimbledon. So that should be embraced anyway. A lot of the fan base weren't even born when that happened. So it's a long time since that's happened. If you look at the numbers for his first two games as the manager, they've had 26 shots, 11 of them on target, spread out over the two games. Bournemouth at home, where they played the majority of the match with 10 men, and then Newcastle away. So 26 shots, 11 on target over that 180 minutes, plus a little bit more in the two games. I looked at his goals record when he was the Wolves manager, and this is where I will make a comparison to Steve Cooper, because I had one or two naysayers when the appointment was taken, say that he played negative football and, and this kind of thing. 47 goals in the first season back in the Premier League, and they finished seventh. 51 goals in the second season back in the Premier League, and they finished seventh. 36 goals in his final season, but if you remember, he lost Raul Jimenez in... November to the fractured skull against Arsenal and as a group they never really recovered from that but they were on par at that point to be around the same number of goals he finished 7th 7th and 13th which is admirable I think in, in the circumstances if you make the comparison to, to the goals that Forrest have been scoring as a Premier League side 17 goals in 17 games under Steve Cooper this season, 38 goals in 38 games last season. So fundamentally, when you look at the, the respective records of the, two, of the two people, there is a more attack-minded approach, is what I'm saying, that you can expect to see from Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, I think it's going to be a more entertaining forest. I think it's going to be easier on the eye. I think they're going to try and score more goals. Now, that might make them a little bit more susceptible at the other end, but we'll wait and see. But his track record at Wolves, um, was of a more progressive manager. And I think that's what football supporters like to see. Um, a lot of people hit him for his time at Tottenham. People forget that he was named manager of the month in his first month and then he was sacked in his second, which has to be one of the most bizarre circumstances that anybody's ever gone through. Um, so I, I just think people need to give him a bit of time. But I think the early signs under this fella are really encouraging. They've been attacking well. They've dealt with the situations. Even when they went down to 10, they were still looking to score goals against Bournemouth. And, and the fact that he's prepared to let people get forward away from home, um, I thought was really refreshing and good to see. Yeah, I've said this before, but I speak to Wolves fan, friends and they messaged me after the game saying, now you see it. But I, I saw it anyway. But yeah. it's only that last season at Wolves, like they said to me, when he lost, as you say, Raul Jimenez. But they also sold... Diogo Jota that summer without replacing him. And that's when it went off the rails. Those first two seasons, I think, are the ones we really have to judge him on or take heart from, certainly. And Spurs is kind of a an anomaly. 
You know, it's like if you're a presenter for Five Live uh, and you know that you're the ninth choice for the job walking in, you know, probably know you're on a bit of a hiding to nothing. So I think Nuno was in that position at Spurs. I so think I, don't that, obviously I was probably further down the pecking order than mine. <laughs> in, in truth, I, I think I'd be happy to be ninth choice. Um, but it's, it's right. And, and I think I think the thing is, as we say, the third season when the goals went down, there were serious extenuating circumstances. Um, and I, when you say ninth choice, I mean, that basically means you're walking into a football club and you've got very limited backing because you know that nobody really, particularly the ones in power, actually want you there. So, look, I just think he's, I think he's also said all the right things. I mean, I know it's easy to do that, but not everybody does it, do they? You know, he's come in and he's been very praiseworthy of the work that was done before, and so he should be. You know, very respectful of the, of the job and what was left behind by Steve and his staff. Very respectful of the fan base, and he seems to realise already that, the Forest supporters are going to play a key role in what he does. And he's, he's tried to embrace that. So I think he's, he's obviously sat down and thought about it and looked at it. And, and I, I've certainly been impressed by the way that he's gone about it. He said on one of the interviews I saw on the television that he really wants to sit down and have a conversation with Steve and talk to him about what he learned. Now, some managers wouldn't even think about doing that because their ego wouldn't let them do it. But he's prepared to sit down if, if, if that's what Steve wants to do. He might not want to. But if he did, you know, Nuno wants to talk to him about what he can expect and, and pick his brains on, on, on some of the aspects that he's going to walk into. So I just think he's been impressive in general since he's been there. Early early days, two games, but impressive to this point. Um, let's talk about Man United. We I recorded the preview for it a little earlier with Greg and Emily, and I said I'd take a point, and Greg looks a bit crestfallen. But I do think a point's a good result against Man U because... They're so unpredictable. I know we have to look after our own performance, but they do have that quality. What's your take on Man U and the roller coaster it's been for them this season? What I would say first and foremost is whether Forrest get a point or whether Forrest get all three points or whether they don't get anything, I'm pretty confident based on what I've seen to this point that they will try and win that game. That the mindset on the 30th will be to try and take the game to Manchester United and win it. I think that'll be the plan which hasn't always been the case against the bigger sides. So I think I think they're going to give it a go. Um, I think the return of Christian Eriksen in Manchester United's midfield is big for them. I think the biggest Achilles heel they've got when he's not in there is keeping the ball. And I don't mean being spectacular in possession with it, but being ready to receive it and use it and lend it and have it back again. And the rhythm they found in the second half against Aston Villa was more typical of what we saw last season when Ericsson was part of the midfield. Yes, I think they've got frailties. I think the central defensive position for Manchester United and the goalkeeping position has been a problem. I've commentated on numerous games that they've been involved in this season. Onana doesn't fill you with any kind of confidence. And there's a real issue at the heart of the defence. Varane, Evans, whoever it is, sure if he goes in there. So I think there are weaknesses. Flip side of that, is that Garnacho was electric the other night. Him away from home, playing on the counter, being fed by Bruno Fernandes is big. It's a really difficult test for, 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 for Forrest. And I think it is probably maybe a, a bigger test than it was at Newcastle on Boxing Day because a little bit of expectation will creep in now as well. You know, Greg was crestfallen that you said they'd get a point. You know, this is always a, a danger when you get a good result. But... I, I think it's it's how they go about it that I'm going to be more interested in than what the end result is. Because I've got every confidence that over time, the manager will get good results and he'll start to move them up the table and and develop the club, which is what he's been brought in to do. Um, I, I fully expect him to be quite bold and quite aggressive against Manchester United. And I think that's all the fan base can ask for. You think that's the way? Because we saw against Newcastle, like, we made it difficult for them. I think it's always the way. I, I think I, I think you can only sit back and soak it up for a certain period of time. This is the hardest league in the world to win games in, particularly away. But it's hard at home as well. And if you are giving the opposition the ball and you are allowing them to spend minutes and minutes and minutes around your box, eventually you're going to break. 
and I, and I think that you have to be bold. You know, this was the point, going back to the point my son made, you watch a lot of Premier League games. Players are up the pitch and they're trying to score goals and they're trying to get up there and join in. And we saw that at Newcastle. And I think that's really important. I, I want to see that from my team. Other people might not. They might like the defensive approach. But I think when you mix that ability to soak up pressure with the ability to counter-attack with numbers, as we saw at Newcastle, it can be a really successful formula. There was a fellow that used to manage the club way back when, whose initials were BC, and they used to do a lot of that. And they won a couple of European Cups in the League Championship, and they were really good at soaking up the pressure. But when they did break, they got bodies forward and they scored goals, and they did it really impressively. And I thought there were certain elements of the way he used to play at Newcastle at the weekend, which I grew up watching my team play that way. That was how Forrest always played. And to see them do that again, I thought was I thought was wonderful. It was nostalgic. Um, and it, it was all our yesterdays. But why not? I think you've got to go and have a go against these sides, particularly at home. That's a difficult place to come. They walk out and they hear Muller Kintyre. The crowd never stop. It's, it, it's an old style ground in many ways because the, the, the fans are right on top of, of the players. And it's intimidating. If there's a team then, you don't carry that on. You almost start to make it a bit easier than it should be. But if you've then got an aggressive team against you with that crowd and with that noise in that setting, and the team is aggressive too, that's going to make it even more difficult for these teams to come to Forest and get wins. Um, let me ask you about one player in particular, not Chris Wood, who talks about him a lot, but um, one player who's central to this counter-attacking play, who could really reap the rewards, is Elanga, who's playing his old club. Yeah. He's such a... I mean, he's a really exciting player. I think he's a really good signing. He can frustrate and he can be brilliant, which is probably why he's playing for us. The man you sold him, probably wrongly, looking at how they're attacking. What's your take on him this season, his progression and his ceiling? Well, I'm, I'm told, first and foremost, that he's a lovely fella. Um, and I think when you've got a lad that's like that, they become very coachable. So I think whatever issues there are in Anthony's game, um, I think he's the kind of person that is going to listen to coaching, take it all on board and try and be better. The reason why he's at Forest and not at Manchester United is because of some of the situations that we've seen in a Forest shirt already this season. The decision-making at times is not what it needs to be. You then counter that by saying that he's still a very young player. Physically, he's got everything, speed, he can score goals, he's bright, he's intelligent, he sees everything. I mean, to get himself in the position that he's in tells you how high his football intelligence is because... He must find himself in a position to do damage as often as most in the Premier League, the top-end players. What he then does in those situations, I think he's going to ultimately define it. And we, we, we saw it all encapsulated at Newcastle, didn't we? Early on when he tried to score and the goalkeeper saved it. And second time around, he pulls it back to Chris Wood and then we go, it's 1-1. So those are the things he's got to get right. And I think that's the challenge for the new coaching staff and was the challenge for the old coaching staff. Everything is there. You know, it's like it's like the, the family at Christmas. Kids have been bought, whatever the gift is, gets handed to dad, can you build me that? And all of a sudden you've got all these pieces, no instructions. And you're thinking, if I can get this right, I'm going to be a hero. I think it's a similar thing with him. Everything's there. It's just a matter of it all sliding into place. And I think once Callum's fit, fully fit and sharp, I know he's fit and he's in the team, but once he's he's completely there, got match sharpness, him on one side and Langer on the other. I mean, that's a frightening prospect. For a team that wants to get better, that ability to to run that wide, the, the, the ability to score from those wide positions, kind of service that it's going to lead to for the forwards. And, and in, in a league where teams want to play high lines, that kind of intelligent pace that Forrest can have can be absolutely deadly. So I think it's a real combination. And, and, and I, I fully expect as the season goes on for Ilanga to keep developing, developing, developing. I think he's more likely to develop as a provider rather than a scorer. I don't think all of a sudden you're going to see him rattling 15, 20 goals. But I think in terms of assists, he's going to be right up there at the top of the group because I think he's going to be um, a really good provider for them. And I think it's just a matter of time now of, of just, just kind of working on those decisions because it's all there. And when he does get it right, Forrest tends to score. When he doesn't get it right, we tend to go, ah, oh, well, if only. So I think it's just a case of getting that bit right. Um, and then, then he'll really start to move forward. Is Hudson Odoi a bit of a different beast? Because he seems to have his game a bit more together, a bit more forms, but he's missed so much football. He looks like a slight bit of a confidence player that actually 
if you just play him for 10 games in a row, then you'll see a progression, even if you don't coach him, in a sense. Do you know what, Matt? In, in his case, I think it's down to him because mm. he's way more experienced in these situations than Anthony Langer. Got into the Chelsea team. He's been in some big situations. He almost went to Bayern Munich for a lot of money. He's had his injury issues. He fell out of favour. He's experienced an awful lot to this point. And I think a lot of this, while Ilanga might need a little bit of fine-tuning in terms of putting his game together, I don't necessarily think that's the case with Callum. I think you made the point there. It might be his confidence. Maybe he's got to believe in himself a little bit more. But there's a really, really, really good player in there. I mean, a, a top-class player. You know, an England international calibre player when he's OK. So... I've no doubt they'll persevere with him and, I, and I've no doubt that they'll try and get him right. And, and when he is right, as I say, those two going down either side is, a, is, a, is an exciting prospect. But I think we know what Callum Hudson-Odoi is and we know what Callum Hudson-Odoi can be. We think we know what Anthony Alanga can be, but we know what Callum is. And the challenge for Callum now is to rediscover his best so that he can get back to the levels he was at when he came when he came into the team at Chelsea when he was winning a place in a very good team on merit, staying there on merit. So it's all in there for him. I think it's just a case of of working one or two things out and then watch him go. But he's got to stay fit too. This is his problem. You know, you don't want him to see him play six or seven games and then get injured again. You're out mm. again. Process has to start again. Two steps forward and one step back all the time. So you're almost keeping your fingers crossed as well now that he can have a run of an injury-free run so that he can really concentrate and knuckle down on on rediscovering his best form. But it's in there still. Um, last one before I ask you about January. Just in terms of a clean slate for players, I think Nuno looks like he already knows where he wants to go in attack and central defence, I imagine. The full-backs don't seem set, but as in particular midfield, it looks like he, there's there's an opportunity for two players to put their hands up. Uh, Sangari is going to be away and he's suspended. Danilo had his chance and... I thought he did better second half, but he really struggled first half. It's going to be interesting for me to see who comes and grabs those two shirts if we're going to play this shape. What's your thoughts on it? Well, I think if he's going to play this shape, he's got more than enough in terms of numbers to find yeah. two. But too many. That he's comfortable with. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's a good position to be in. It's not as if he's scouring around trying to look for, for somebody to go in there. Um and I think what he's asking them to do, in a way, makes it a little bit more straightforward. I mean, he's not exactly asking the two in central midfield to reinvent the wheel, is he? No. He wants you to sit there, protect, set the counter-attack up when you've got the ball, break it up when you haven't. I mean, it's not a it's not a high-risk job that he's asking the two in there to do. I, I don't think it'll be a problem finding two to sit in there and do that. And I think you'll find over the fullness of time that in this shape, playing this way, the majority of them can do it. I mean, in an ideal world, you 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 want Sangari to be one of them, don't you? Because they've spent 30 million quid on him, the club record by. Really, he has to be one that steps in and claims one of those positions. I don't think it necessarily matters too much who the other one is, provided one of them is him. So... I think that that's that's where I am with it. But I also think he's got a nice blend as well, that all of a sudden you, you're in a position when you've got a lead away from home and you can put Ryan Yates on if that's what you want to do as a different type of player and brings you that bit of aggression, brings your legs around the field. I, I think the way that they're setting up now with the, with the two sitters would suit Mangala way better than any shape that he's really played in in the Forest team before. I think it looks perfect for him. I'd be amazed if the starting two, once everybody's back, is not Sangari and Mangala because they they look like they would be the right blend. I know it leaves one or two on the outside looking in, but that's what happens when you're in the Premier League. But I don't think you'll have a problem sorting that out. I mean, I think it's the one area that you can put a line through going into January and say, look, everybody's all right there. And I think the thing with Danilo is he's been out, hasn't he? So he's not, talk about Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's probably got to get a bit of confidence back. Still new to the to the country, still new to the Premier League, had a little bit of a purple patch at the back end of last season and got injured. Hardly played much this season, so we're not quite sure. You know, maybe he's another one that, that the manager might think, you know what, let's just persevere with him for a bit because he's nearly there but not quite. But when he is, 
he's dynamic enough to be a, a real factor in the middle of the pitch because wouldn't it be great if you could I mean I, I got I got told a while back and I think I mentioned this on the podcast that when people were making comparisons to him in Brazil they 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 used Fernandinho as the ultimate comparison that that's what he could become now if you're thinking about the way that Fernandinho played in the city team tended to play in a two tended to sit would occasionally wander forward. I mean, these are all the kind of things that if they are the strengths of him, then this might be the perfect position for him to really flourish as well. So he might be one that the new manager looks at and says, right, let's let's give him a real opportunity to to earn a spot in this team in that position and see what he's got. Yeah, I thought second half was the first time this season we've seen what we saw last season. Because he's yeah. 10 seconds in, his first swing, his first touch of the ball is to swing don't wildly. Forget, don't forget last season, when he played his best stuff, he tended to play as a false nine and run forward all game. And, yeah. and we, were, we, were, we were kind of praising him because he could get into the opposition box and he might nick you a goal or create you a goal. What he's being asked to do now is completely the opposite to that. You know, don't, don't vacate your position too much because we need you as a screen out of possession. When you have got the ball, you know, this is what the role is going to be. So we are asking him to do something significantly different to what he was good at when he got into the team last year. So I think he needs a run of games in this position doing what he's doing before we we make too many judgments on him. Yeah, and, and Mangala's class. I think he'll really thrive in that system if he, if he gets a chance. Yeah. Let's talk about January then, because we've agreed midfield is not an issue, unless it's getting rid of a couple, yeah. like the Santos and that. But where it's, there's a few obvious areas, but where are you looking to see business being done incoming before we talk about outgoing? I think they've got to find a goalkeeper. I think it's the most important position for them to address. I look at both of them and you can pick holes in what they do. Um, I think they went from last season where they went from Dean Henderson to Kaylor Navas. I think it's quite a drop-off to what they've got now. Um, and, and for me, the biggest weakness in the team right now is, is goalkeeper. I might not have said that before Chris Wood scored four goals in two games. Um, I, I'd still like to see them get a, a centre-forward that's similar in style to Awani, because I don't think Divock Origi is going to be good enough in that regard. But I, I think the goalkeeper is the one. The amount of confidence that he gives the people in front of him, the ability to to, to command his six-yard box and, and, and just be fundamentally right. And I think if you took away the goalkeeping mistakes this season and look at what the correlation would be between points gained or lost based on goalkeeping errors, I, I think it'd frighten you. And, and I also think as well that when you're playing in front of a keeper that's lacking a bit of confidence and authority, that has a big impact on those around him as well. You know, they're going to want to play out from the back, not necessarily seeing too much comfort in terms of doing that, which puts you behind the eight ball again. Navas was good at that. Henderson maybe not so good, but Navas was really good at that. So I, I, for me, if they were going to, if you said, look, they can sign one player in January and they've got X amount of pounds, I would, I would use it on a goalkeeper. I've got to, I think everywhere else they're fine. You just made the point. Fullbacks, they've got to, They've got an embarrassment of riches. Who knows what the fullback pair is going to be? Centre back, they look all right. They can maybe do it one more, only because I think there are, there, are, there, are, there are central defenders in the team that worry me in terms of fitness. I'm always expecting Willie to get injured. I'm always expecting Musa to get injured. Uh, I think you start to lose players like that. It can be a concern. But I think the squad's big enough. You can't just keep adding. There's got to be a a really sensible approach heading into January. This is a manager that tends to want to work with a smaller squad, not a bigger one. So let's not create a problem for him. But I really think they've got to sort the goalkeeping position out. Yeah, I see more in Vlacodimos than Turner, but neither of them have put their hand up, which is, um, yeah, a big problem, hey, look, certainly. I mean, let's not beat about the bush. The manager, the manager is a goalkeeper that played in the Champions League winning squad. So it's his position. So, yeah. so you can sometimes coach it into people. So maybe the opportunity would be there with a manager who's a goalkeeper. They might improve. And, and one of them might stand up now and say, this is going to be my position, which is perfect if that's the case. Because they mm -hmm. both seem really likeable fellas. They're the kind of fellas that you, you pull for, you know? Yeah. But, 
it's such an unforgiving business and it's such an unforgiving position that if you've got a goalkeeper making mistakes, it impacts you, it impacts the result, but it impacts everybody around you also. So I just think they've got to get that right. They have to get that right. They need a, 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 a really good goalkeeper in, in there if they're going to really kick on. Yeah, I don't see in Turner. I'm not digging him out because he seems like a but in terms of distribution, we're taking short kicks and gifting chances to teams because we've got no confidence in him and stuff like that. Um, are you surprised by Origi? Because you've seen a lot of him. I I expected really. a lot more. Not really, because I, I watched him in Milan last season and he did nothing last season mm. in Milan. I mean, he looked a he looked a shadow of the player that used to come on and impact things for Liverpool and could start games as well. Um, there seems to be a little bit of a fixation with playing him wide. I mean, I don't know how he plays wide of the three. I mean, he looks like a central striker to me and he always seemed to do best for Liverpool when he did that. Mm. Um, I don't think he's the answer. I don't know whether it's a motivation thing. I don't know whether it's a confidence thing. I don't know whether we've just seen the best of him. But I think is if you, I always think you look at your, your backups and you say, look, if we've got to have that player play 10 games in a row, how would we feel? And I think if I said to the Forest fans, look, Origi's got to play 10 games in a row. Do you think he's going to, how do you think he's going to do? I think most people would say, I think he might struggle. I mean, the flip side of that might be the fact he's not had a run in the team might be the reason why he struggles when he comes on. But he was always so good off the bench for Liverpool. So it's not a role that he's not familiar with, is it? So I don't think he's the answer. I think he was worth taking a chance on because if he could have got back to that, then he would have had a good forward. But I think this is a longer sample size now this is AC Milan last season and it's Nottingham Forest up to Christmas this season and there's been nothing really for you to mm. to grab a hold of to say well that that's what he's going to be like so what about striker then because Chris Wood's yeah. the wrong side of 30 in his final year Tyro can't stay fit do you the do you go is, now or do you wait till the summer I, I in an ideal world I wait until the summer because I think it's mm. a really difficult market to be successful in when you're trying to buy forwards because you end up being given a list of forward players, all of which are available. But if you were given that list in the summer, you would say, no, we're going to go for that one. So mm. I think you often end up buying a forward in January that you don't really want. So I think if, if Tywo is going to be back earlier than we thought, which is what's being reported at the moment, then that's a good thing. Because the likelihood is, He's going to have no involvement in AFCON, so we're probably going to get more out of him than, than we were planning to anyway. Chris Wood's form at the minute is, is, is fine. And let's not forget, right, I know that he wasn't universally popular when he came. I get that. But don't forget, this was a double-figure goalscorer in a Burnley team that didn't create many chances. And Sean Dyke said to me a while ago, and I'll, I'll use an example here of, of Kevin Campbell. So when Kevin came, Kevin struggled. And I said to him one day, because I got on really well with Kevin, I said, what is it? What's the problem? He said, when I was at Arsenal, I never played as a target man. He said, I played off either Alan Smith or Niall Quinn. He said, and now I'm here, I'm expected to be the target man with somebody else running off me, Brian Roy or whoever it was at the time. He said, and that's not my game. He said, I look like a target man because I'm big and I'm strong. And I can play my back to the game, but I don't want to do that. That's not my game. When Forrest changed and Pierre came in and Kevin played the other way, running off Pierre, we saw Kevin Campbell explode as a player. The reason I'm making this point is that Sean Dyke said to me about a year ago, Chris Wood is not a target man. He looks like a target man, and we presumed he was a target man. But when you work with him, he wants to play in a different way. Now, maybe... In this Forest team, he can play a different way. Maybe he can run behind, as we saw at Newcastle, and score goals. Maybe he is going to be a bigger part of proceedings than he was. Maybe we're not just going to whack it in and hope he flicks a header in. Maybe we are going to give him the chance to play the kind of game that he wants to play. There's a lot more to Chris Wood's game than I think people give him credit for until they watch him for a period of time. So this is coming from his previous manager, who had to work him out. And I've seen the experience before with Kevin Campbell when he came from Arsenal. So you can understand it. And he took those goals superbly well. I, I, I doubt there's a, a striker in the Premier League right now with more confidence than him because he scored four in two matches and two of the goals he scored at the weekend against Newcastle were outstanding. So 
I think using in the right way is important. And, and maybe playing the way that they're playing now with more people up there. What one another thing that Sean did say was he said, I'll tell you something else as well. He's got this remarkable knack for the ball finding him in the box. He said, and that's always been the case. He said, for some reason, either whatever something he's doing or or, what he, or he's lucky or whatever it is, but the ball finds him in the box. And, and, and just maybe Chris Wood can kick on from him. I'm not expecting him to score a hat-trick every game. But just maybe from this point, we're going to see more of the Chris Wood that played at Burnley than the Chris Wood that we've seen either at Newcastle or, or, or at Forest at this point, because that could solve a massive problem, couldn't it? If all of a sudden Chris Wood or Awani is a genuine discussion for the manager, then you're starting to move into the direction of being strong in that position. Yeah, he's an intelligent striker. Like, his movement is actually really good. He's just really? got to have the right people around him, I think. But Matt, that. you look at him and you think, well, let's knock it up to him and he'll hold it or flick it on. But he doesn't want to do that. And just because you're a, you're a big guy in stature doesn't mean that you want to play that old-fashioned number nine role. And Kevin didn't want to when he came. Kevin would be the first person to tell you that story. It was only when they changed the way that he played in the group that he started to kick on and score goals. He was seen as a real disappointment up to that point by the Forest fan base. And when they changed it round and he played off a target man, he was electric. And they got promoted that year under Dave Bassett and he was as good as anything in that division. And probably would have been in the Premier League had they not sold him bizarrely to a, to a Turkish club while, while Bassett was on holiday. So, But I, I, I just think the usage of Wood moving forward is important to see whether that, that changes and we start to get more from him. Yeah, and this is cynical, but he's out of contract in the summer and he needs to be very motivated to get a, a very good deal at Forest or a very good deal somewhere else, which is good for Forest as well. Yeah, I, I put it this way. I don't think he's going to be short of offers as a, as a man that can score goals in the Premier League, regardless of the way the season finishes. I don't think he's going to be queuing up for the bargains next to me and you anytime soon. No, but he could put an extra 10 grand a week on his salary. <laughs> That's a good finish. Possibly. Well, just lastly then, before we finish... Um, my big bugbear this window is we've got to see quite a lot of outgoings. Nuno's already hinted you've got to trim the squad. Uh, uh, do you think we're going to see a lot of players going or are we going to find it difficult to ship them out because it's a tough market and they're way out down the picture at Forest? Let me throw this back at you, though. Who would you get rid of? What, what would you do? Because the reason why I ask you is you, I wonder whether he's going to have enough time, the manager, to work out who he's really happy to let go because he doesn't yeah, that many games I mean I, I think the FA Cup match against Blackpool could be in a mad way could be quite informative but he mm. might throw a few in there that day to say well let's just have a look at one or two of the ones that are nowhere near and see whether they've got any value or not I mean I, I, I think I think that's the problem who, who would you who would you happily say goodbye to I mean the centre-backs would you would you lose any of them but the full-backs, would you lose any of them? We're not sure I about think... the in midfield. I mean, the lone player, I mean, Santos would be the obvious one. But Yeah, yeah. Santos, yeah. Nuno, Origi. Um, Scott McKenna's probably going to wait for a good contract somewhere else. But there's those three lone players. I mean, we talked about goalkeepers. Who's going to take one of them? This is what I'm saying about, you know, if you bring in a third goalkeeper, who's going to give you your money back for Lakodimos or Turner having seen them? That's the challenge. Like, do you wait for the summer to try and get rid of players and let Nuno have a look at it? But then he's got this massive unwieldy squad, which I think was a big problem for Steve Cooper. It's like, when do you solve it? January is such a difficult market, but I do think we need to have more outs and ins. We, we don't, I don't want to see us, Greg said this as well, I don't want to see us sign five players on deadline day because no. we don't need to. We just need targeted, good, good additions. Well, it, it does depend who they are, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> it depends who they are. I mean, I... I don't think Greg's turning down Rodri, Harlan, Salah, all these people. <laughs> I think he'd take five on, on deadline day. I'm yeah, suspicious, yeah. but it does it does depend on who they are, doesn't it? Obviously, yeah, it does. Significantly better than the ones you've got, then you'll take that problem for now. I mean, yeah. the other side of that, the other argument to that is there might be players under the previous regime that perform better under this one. There might also be players who played really well under the previous manager. Who don't perform so well under this one because it is horses for courses a lot of the time. So I think the interesting aspect is going to be: Does Nuno see something in some of the players who have been on the outside looking in that maybe the previous manager didn't see? 
And are there players that have been in the side who have looked like they're important, important pieces who he might look at and say, look, the way I'm going to play and what I want, you're a good player, but you don't necessarily fit what I'm going to do here. So he's the, he's the only one that can answer the question. He's got to take a look at them every day on the training pitch, when they get minutes on the field. Um, and, and I think that'll tell you. Because I, before Newcastle, if you would have asked me that question and you would have asked the majority of the Forest fan base, what do you do yeah. with Montiel yeah. in January, people would have said, well, let him go back to Seville. Mm. But having seen him play that way against Newcastle, that's as good a performance from a fullback that I've seen in a Forest shirt this season. So, and he was on a yellow card and managed it really well against the really tricky guy in Anthony Gordon. So, all of a sudden, he looks like he's got to start the next match. Whereas if you would have asked that question prior to the Newcastle game, he would have been one of the ones that you probably would have said, yeah, well, he can go. So, I think you've got to give it the next few weeks to see who steps up, who doesn't, who's starting to flourish, whether anybody changes what their role is within this group. And then he can start to make his mind up. But I think it's far too early at this stage to say that anybody's in or anybody's out. I mean, all he could give Andre Santos a game at the weekend. He could fly against Man United. Then everybody's going to be saying, well, he's got to start the next match. So you can go from the, the outhouse house to the fence house really quickly in this game, especially when you've got a new manager. So... I just think it's a time thing. And January comes around really quickly, doesn't it? I mean, we're nearly there. So I think it's whether he's got enough time to make those assessments. Because what you don't want to be is short at the back end of the season because you've made the wrong one. All these yeah. contract, they've all been budgeted for. So it might take a bit of managing behind the scenes, but they're all yours. So are you better off having them or not? And I think that's what he's got to work out. Yeah, I think there are a couple, like what, like Kriate. I think you've got to make a decision on Ahmed Bamadeli. Maybe do you loan him out? Because I don't think he does a player any good to spend a year just training. So there are some interesting uh, choices. I don't want to be argumentative, but what if Nuno thinks, and I know this is the the feeling at Liverpool a lot of the time, Jurgen Klopp always feels that the players on the outside looking in are better training with him than his group Mm. than they are going somewhere else because he can control their development better. So maybe Nuno would look and say, well, look, not only have I got to show improvement and get us moving in the right direction this season, next season, I need everybody where I need them. So maybe he thinks spending the second half of the season here, learning my methods, working with my coaching staff, being around what we do, he might see that as more beneficial than sending someone out on loan just to get minutes, just to get game time. I mean, someone like Omabama Daly, they were happy enough to pay is it 20 million quid to sign him? So they're pretty confident he can play. He's just not getting into this team at the moment, but that could change quickly. But he might just feel, I could develop that young player better here under me than I would if I sent him there to play under him. And I think that's that's kind of, we, we've, got to, we've got to learn that from Nuno to, to work out how he sees it. Yeah. He's got a bright future, I still think, as well. Because realistically, Felipe and Willie Bolly and players like that, Scott McKenna, obviously, I don't think Joe Warrell will go now. I think there's a big opening for him. But quite a few centaurs are going to be turned over at the end of the season. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, it will. It will. And and I I think that goes for a number of positions, doesn't it? A number of Mm. positions. Mm. The squad Mm. is too big. Um for what it needs to be. But it, it's always harder to get players out than it is to get players in. So mm. it could be a bit of natural wastage, loans being ended and that kind of thing. I mean, I think one, one call they've got to make is on Felipe. Yeah. Because if Felipe can't play, then you've, you've, got, you've got to make that decision. I mean, he, he looked so far off it when he played against Fulham. He couldn't move. He literally mm. couldn't move. He was so late to everything that he did. And he was outstanding when he came last year. It's it's a pure fitness thing with Felipe. It's he's not become a bad player between the back end of last season where he looked as, as good as anybody in the Forest team to now. He's got a chronic knee problem. And the chronic knee problem at his age is probably not going to go away. So they've got to make their mind up whether they're ever going to put him in the team again. And if they're not, what's the point of him being here? Is the point I'm making. You know, he's... He's, he's made his life in Madrid. He's from Brazil. You've got it. 
I think they've got to do the right thing about certain people. If, if he's not going to be able to play this season, it won't be for the one to try it because he's a really good professional. But if he's got to the age he's at and he can't get over the knee problem, that might be an area they've got to take a look at. And I, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to see him go because he became a hero of mine at the back end of last season. I thought he was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But if you can't do it anymore, you can't do it. And, he, and he, it looked a really stupid thing to me to put him in the team at Fulham because physically he wasn't able to do what you wanted him to do. And that must have killed him inside because he's such a competitor, isn't he? You know, he wants to be out there as a leading figure in that team. He wants to be leading from the front, making tackles, bringing the ball out, winning headers. That's what he wanted. He can't. It must have been churning him up inside, feeling the position he was put in gave him no option at all to be successful. Mm. And, and that, mm. that, to me, is one of the most baffling, bizarre decisions I've seen made at the club all season. Why would you put Felipe on the pitch in that condition when he cannot do what he wants to do? Mm. Who else played that night? Who else? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else to play there, but I'm sure we've got a lot of centre-halves. We're never sure of them, certainly. Right. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. Lots of food for thought, which was really interesting. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. If you watch this, do like and subscribe. Uh, do support the Trent Navigation, who are our sponsors. Very much grateful for their support as ever. What's that face for? I've had no check whatsoever from the Trent Navigation. You're getting paid for <laughs> people now, are you? Good old Dave Willens. Hey, good old Dave Willens. I know what a man. He's the hero of this podcast, the true hero of this podcast. I'm, I'm I mean, if you know, Dave and Les are supporting you, two absolutely smashing fellas. Exactly, exactly. So, do support the NAV intern if you're uh, a watcher or listener to this podcast. Uh, and we'll be back. Uh, gosh, what day is it? We'll be back tomorrow post match for Man U with Lewis to get his thoughts on it about 9 pm. Come going to the game as well. So, uh, do check us out then. Fletch, thank you very much. Very much appreciate your time. My pleasure, mate. Have a brilliant new year. I'd say that to all the Forest fan base. Let's hope it's a really rip-roaring 2024. I think good times are ahead. Goals ahead. Might be one or two bumps in the road, but let's not panic. It's always going to be like that following this club, I think. It's true. If Man U's a bump in the road, don't panic, because I do think we're we're on the right track. Right. Uh, thanks very much, everyone. Have a good day, and we shall see you tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.